When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk. Get the athletic for $1 a month for six months. It's a great deal. It's a great time. You can see all kinds of things. Mock drafts coming at you quick. The The draft lottery is like, what's it like? Three months away. Got to be ready. Right? Got to be prepared. Uh, with me today, as always, is Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Andrew, you know what week it is? You know what? You know what comes out this Friday? Uh huh. What, <laughs> bro? Bro, bro. <laughs> you're not going to be diving into Elden Ring. Elden this Friday. Elden Ring. Elden Ring, my is it, dude. Is it like a forest game? Uh, there is some forest in the game. Um, it's a video game, and it's just got. It, it currently has a 97 on Metacritic. Mm. It just came out. Uh, well, it's actually coming out like on Thursday night. But is it like Lord of the Rings style? Uh, yeah, that's actually yeah. That's is it really close? Close-ish. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'm very excited. My wife is on a beach trip this weekend with her friends, and oh. so I have like 72 hours of just. You get to play. Ring. You get to play Elden Lion for all the weekend. Elden Lion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, you want to start off with a question from the chat from Tyler Carroll, the the draft lottery guru. Oh, the numbers man. What does the numbers man say? Numbers man wants to know how many players in this draft have a higher ceiling than SGA. I think we've answered this question before. Maybe that's uh, so tough because. You obviously never would have said that about SGA coming into his own draft. That's why he went whatever he went, 11th or 11th, whatever. Yeah. So it's really hard to say. I mean, if people think it's an average draft. There will probably be like two guys yeah. that end up being better than SGA. That would be my guess. I mean, no idea of, who they'll be. I mean, as of today, I would maybe say Chet. And then it's... It gets dicey real fast, honestly, on guys that I think would be better than him. Yeah. I mean, take your pick. I I, I just like, one, I haven't dove dove in yet, other than like listening to Sam Vecini and listening to some of the other draft guys I like. Yeah. Uh, But I haven't like, 
I haven't started like watching the highlight mixtapes um, because I know that I have a bias against Bancaro. In my head, I just yeah. don't like him for some reason, but I like can't really base it on anything because all the podcasts I listen to still really like him and have him ranked highly. Yeah. But there's just something about I've watched a few of his games. There's just something about it that is rubbing me the wrong way. Yeah. And I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I need to I need to figure out that. Yeah. I think also with like Jabari, he can do like the one dribble into a jumper. He can do the jab step into the jumper, but he's not a guy that's gonna be like that you can just ha- he can have the ball all the time. So it's hard Which to, is good. It's it'd be great for OKC. Yeah. As far as like a higher ceiling, though, it's hard for me to right. say he has a higher ceiling because SGA yeah. could potentially be a guy that just has the ball in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. You know, yeah, I, I sure. don't know that Jabari could be that guy. Paulo could, at his highest ceiling, be that guy. Yeah, can he get there? Is is a giant question mark. You know, Chet, that's, that's Chet could be that as well, but could he get there? Is also a giant question mark. That's one of the things that's so interesting about uh, thinking about these Thunder players because, you know, we've been having these conversations, you know, Josh, Giddy, and SGA have not been good on the court together so far. Fine. You know, I think their two-man net rating is like minus 10. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to come back. We're going to get to see it more. But we're, we're having those conversations because we're thinking of these two guys as like the best two guys on the team. Right. If you throw a third guy into that, who's like on their level. And now you just have all these other new issues. They're obviously great issues to have, Yeah, but it's so funny. Like we're thinking about it so narrowly in terms of like, how do we fit these two guys together? You throw one more guy into it yeah. and it's they're, like, they're going to probably look drastically different than they've looked on the Thunder team thus far in terms of their role and how they play. That, yeah, that's, that's why I've been so against like cutting bait on anybody this year, even Dort. It's like, except Bays, except Bays. You have to acknowledge that we did kind of cut bait. I would have. I wouldn't even say his name for like three weeks. So <laughs> I think that counts. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll count that. If you're terrible for a while, yeah, we'll count that. <laughs> but good players that we don't know how they fit, which is yeah. really just Shea, Gideon, Dort. Like that's the list right now. And yeah. if we, we just don't know if they, if they got Jabari, I think it could change everything. If things didn't go right and they got Jalen Duran. Well, maybe Dort doesn't work with a Jalen Duran team, you know, with, yeah. with those other two. Maybe you have to have shooting. Uh, ESPN put out a mock draft today that had the Thunder picking six and taking Duran. Um, and, you know, I don't think, I mean, that's probably one of the worst case scenarios for OKC. And I still kind of like Duran. So I don't know. It, it, it'll be, it will be interesting. If they get a chance to get Jabari or Chet, then I think you don't have to worry as much about Dort because both those guys can shoot it from deep. So it's it's a conundrum, certainly. But as far as guys that have a higher ceiling than Shea, I think it's probably Chet. Maybe only. Yeah, like going into the draft. Yeah. There will probably be someone else today. who pops and has a great career. Without a doubt. It could it could be Shaden Sharp. It could be Jaden Ivey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be A.J. Griffin. Like one of those guys. It could, could be Patrick Baldwin Jr., it feels like it's not, but maybe it is. Man, uh, did you read the update on him? I think it was it was either in that big board or is another big board where they were basically saying like, you know, he missed his whole senior year 
of high yeah. school with this ankle injury. Yeah. This ankle injury has kept him out of a lot of games already mm-hmm. in his freshman year. And you just start wondering, like, is this guy really going to fall? Like the way that Boston fell last year. Yeah. Where everyone was thinking BJ Boston going into the year was like top five. Then it was like, okay, he's probably a lottery pick. And it's like, well, he's going to get taken in the first round. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up going in the second round. Yep. At that point, like, who cares? Like, obviously, you just draft Patrick Baldwin Jr. and see what happens. Um, Take him but, at 30, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, that, that was kind of interesting to me because I kind of forgot about the injury component and was only focusing on the fact that he's shooting, like, 28% or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he profiles as a player that you would want, you know, a, a big shooting wing. And those are the kind of guys that you would want for a, specifically this Thunder team. So... Yeah, I mean, it. a lot of people feel like this is not only not a great draft at the top, but a kind of a shallow draft. And, I mean... Worst of both worlds. It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst of everything. Uh, however, there's still guys that will be good. You know, the, 20, was it the 2013 draft was one of the worst drafts, but there were still guys that popped. Yeah. And you, that's, these are the hardest drafts for teams. You know, this is and and really this hard. already feels better than 2013 because remember back then, the assumption was Nerlens Noel was going first. <laughs> oh, I remember. And the fact that it, it really felt like unanimous, like going into that draft, I really thought like Noel's getting for going first. That's, and when, Bill Simmons was, that's when Bill Simmons was still talking us into who we should draft. Yeah. And then for him to go sixth, like it's not going to be that kind of draft. Like Chet Jabari. Paolo, Jaden Ivey, like yeah. one of these guys is going first. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I cannot imagine a scenario now. Of course, they could get injured, which I think is what happened. Yeah. Noel tore his ACL. Yeah. Like maybe something like that'll happen that one of these guys fall, but at least it feels like the guys at the top are pretty well agreed upon. Whereas that year, I mean, Anthony Bennett went number one. He went so, number I mean, one. it was, yeah. yeah. It was really bad. Yeah. And even in that draft, the Thunder did well. Which should be a little encouraging yeah. because they got Steven Adams at 12 with, and obviously like the Giannis one is like everybody messed up, <laughs> you know, it's where we're at with that. Like everybody messed up. And then they also took Andre Robertson. So they got two players that were good pros and obviously they missed on Rudy Gobert in that draft too. They missed twice on what could have been just like two very, very great players. One, maybe one of the best 10 players of all time, but they still hit on guys that can play because other players in this draft, like Lucas, Lucas Naguera and Shane Larkin, Shabazz Muhammad, oh, and yeah, I mean, Trey Burke at nine, Ben McLemore at seven. I mean, there were just some really bad ones. Tony Snell at 20, which is fine, but Sergey Karasev went 19. Anybody, mm. anybody heard from him in a while? I mean, there's just a lot of just holes in that draft. And I think this draft could be similar where you just like, you have to find the right guys. Um, our, one of our slam and jam guests, Trill bro, dude, he just did a new pod just about that draft. He's doing, oh, he started a new s- series called <laughs> the resloppables, oh um, where he goes back and looks at a draft, but he looked at that one in particular, which was just a very funny draft. Yeah. At the time. And in retrospect, that was the year that Jalen and, Bill Simmons did like the interviews. Yes. And like Bill Simmons was sold on CJ McCollum solely based on his interview. Yeah. 
and hey. being kind of funny and and Worked did out. not like uh ben mclemore was because that was the same draft right yes yeah it turns out like some of those interview things are real you know yeah like some of the personality stuff is real and i think part of like part of the personalities of this particular rookie class for the thunder is like they're all good dudes well-spoken and I, th- I think that is like, it's a part of the equation, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to, I'm trying to think of like, has there ever been like a, a superstar that was just, like could not put his words together? You know, I'm trying. To well, think. did you see the Richard Jefferson thing about Gilbert Arenas? I thought that was really interesting because I, I was I not like into the NBA that deeply at that time. Uh-huh. Cause I forget, I forget when that was. Um, but he basically like Gilbert went on this rant saying that Richard Jefferson was like the fourth best player on that Arizona team. Yeah. It's insane that he got picked ahead of me. And then Richard Jefferson was like, here's what you need to understand about Gilbert arenas. Like he was insane when we had this big interview with all of the potential draftees and they were teaching or talking to us about like what we should do and like what we were looking forward to. Gilbert stood up and said, they asked him, like, what's your dream? Like, how do you see this going? He said, I want to be an international pimp. And, like, got lit into by the guy who was leading this conversation. And there were just, like, all these red flags, like, in the lead up to the draft. And, yeah, we haven't really had, like, at this point, these guys are so, like, well like trained in terms of like how to deal with the media. I mean, Bobby Marks like meets with a bunch of these guys every year and like teaches them how to respond to questions and all that. Yeah. So they're all like so much more advanced just as like media personalities than they were back in like the early two thousands. Dude. When it really did feel like high schoolers, like it it was just guys coming out of high school being forced into this big media (laughs) entertainment system Whereas now all these guys like get it from the jump. And it's even bigger now because of Twitter and YouTube and everything that we didn't have back then. You know, it's it's giant. It's like an uncontrollable mess that if you do misstep, like everyone will know within four minutes <laughs> that you did. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Josh is like is a really good example of what you're saying because he is already incredibly media savvy if you mm-hmm. ask him about his numbers which i'm sure as a 19 year old you'd be pretty pumped and jacked to be getting triple doubles and doing all these things like at msg like and he's still just his is he just talks about winning he's like i just just glad we got the win the numbers are cool and everything like you could you could write at, right now i could write you the script Give me the questions that the guys are going to give, and I can write you exactly what Josh is going to say. <laughs> because like that's where he's at, where he's just, yeah, if you ask him anything about the numbers, he's always going to say, the numbers are cool and all, but I would rather have a win. You know? Yeah. that's he. He's said that, I don't know how many times he's said that this season. But There's just so few guys left in the league who you're like actually worried about them personally anymore. Like Someone like Anthony Edwards is like, has a ton of personality and yeah. you could imagine a person like giving those type of answers in the past being someone you'd be worried about. But like Anthony Edwards, like everyone loves him. He's like one of the coolest guys in the league and he's backing up a lot of what he's saying, even though he's saying like some outlandish things like mm-hmm. I want to be, I'm going to be MVP next season. But like, there's just no one in this league that I really worry about anymore. Well, let's talk about somebody that we do worry about Zion. Williams. Okay. Zion. Yeah. <laughs> because he is one that I think 
if you put a mic in front of his face right now, I think the Pelicans might be a little bit worried. It, they're so worried, of, in fact, that they're not even promoting him as somebody for for the ticket packages that they're sending out right now, which is wild. And they, I guess they just know he's not going to play. But it's it's become a really tense situation, and his family is starting to leak out that he just doesn't want to play in New Orleans anymore. And so he it will it will need to be a trade because he's going to sign this deal. Like he's going to sign this max this summer, right? And and not just because it helps him lock in money, but also like if you're the Pelicans, him on an expiring qualifying offer doesn't help you in right. terms of the trade market. No. Because one, it's a really low number and it's an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. Like it helps the Pelicans too for him to sign this deal if they if they do end up moving him at some point. Yeah. So they're going to he's going to sign this deal. And then I can't remember how long it is till he's trade eligible, but once he this is like January of next year. But once he becomes trade eligible, who I, I mean, obviously he wants to be a Nick, right? I think that's he's everything is tied to him being a Nick at some point. Um, however, there are teams out there that have a ton of assets right now that you could spend. Like this is the kind of player that if he gets healthy, that you would sp- expend a lot of assets on. And would this be the a kind of player that you would want to spend a ton of draft capital on? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's tough because you don't know. One, New Orleans, where they are right now, doesn't feel like if they uh, – and, and obviously, this could end up with Zion getting healthy, coming back to New Orleans, like, Maybe this all ends up just being like a bad period in his early career. It could. But if they do get to the point where they are trading him, you wonder if New Orleans would actually not want a picks-based package. They've because already got they got a ton of picks. They got a ton of picks in the AD trade. They just traded for 30-year-old CJ McCollum. Now they can yeah. turn around and trade him away. But like, they seem to be a team that is actively trying to win, whether Zion's there or not. Yeah, like they could have taken this season as an opportunity to tank again yep. and get another high pick to pair with Zion. They are not doing that. Nope. So even though OKC, as we all know, is like well positioned to be at the forefront of any future star trade involving picks, I just don't know if New Orleans is the type of team that wants that right now. Yeah. So from their perspective, I don't know if it's a great fit. Yeah, they don't profile as a team that's trying yeah. to do this, certainly. But and, on yeah. the flip side, yeah, yeah, you know, this feels like if this goes the way it keeps going, uh-huh. and he does end up leaving either in the first year of this extension or the second year, like it's probably it's going to be one of the more explosive NBA stories in recent memory around this whole idea of like player empowerment era oh, yeah. and like what are we doing like to the small market teams and all that. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting about this whole situation is like, regardless of where you stand on everything, like you can find evidence to support whatever narrative you want to support. Like, like saying that new Orleans did him wrong by having three different coaches and uh, all these different vets coming in and out of the team and never really having a good stable organization. Like you can make that case. Like I don't like David Griffin. Like he hasn't made a lot of trades. that have got me super excited. Right. Um, But on the flip side, you can definitely blame 
Zion, as a lot of his teammates have been doing recently. So there's like something for everyone here, which is why this is going to be like such a huge story. Never mind the fact he's like number one pick and everything. But if you're the league, what would be a better resolution to this than him getting traded to another small market? <laughs> Because then it kind of just takes everything. It takes that whole conversation right. and it just like cuts its legs out from under it. Yeah, if he forces his like, way to well, New York or whatever, it's just like uh, here we go again. You know, kind of. Yeah, thing. is the league ruined? Like, what yeah. are we doing? Yeah. If he go, if he does get traded to a team like Oklahoma City, all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, well, we'll see how this works out. Now, immediately, everyone's going to think, well, this isn't going to work out. Zion's going to want to leave Oklahoma City. But he's going to be going to a team that we think is a much better organization than New Orleans in this scenario. Yeah. And who knows? What if it worked out and then everyone could be happy? Yeah. Um, I Listen, th- to get a player like Zion, and I understand why people are freaked out about Zion, because, mostly because of the injuries. Like, same thing happened to Joel Embiid. Like, we saw the same thing happen yeah. with Kevin Durant. Kevin, yeah. This, this specific that, injury. Same, yeah, this specific injury happening in this specific way where yeah. at some point it's like it's not healing and then the question is like, is he going to get a second surgery? That part of it honestly just doesn't... Like, it wouldn't be a, a deal breaker for me. Yeah. The fact that he has had these injuries. Just because we've seen star players and we've seen heavy star players. Joel Embiid broke his foot, one of the biggest guys in the league, and came yeah. back and was able to play. So like that part of it, you obviously have to consider it, but I'm. It's not going to stop me. Yeah. Okay. Th- let me let me give you a scenario. Okay. Yeah. Sam Presti comes to you and he says, "Hey, Alex, I've decided wow. I'm trading for Zion Williamson." Oh, hi, Sam. And <laughs> uh, hello, Alex. Uh, I want you to create mm. the trade for me. New Orleans is demanding Josh Giddy or Shea. And I need you to choose because I just can't choose. They're both my babies. I can't do it. I can't choose. (sighs) You have to choose which one goes. All the other things have been agreed to in principle. We've got picks going to them. We've got Trey Man. We've got something else going to them. But the only thing I can't decide is Josh Giddy or Shea. This is where, like, living in the bubble of Oklahoma City Thunder fandom just kind of like skews your the way you think because yeah. I'm listening to that and I'm like Shea is worth more in the trade market right now than Zion is. Yeah. So why am I sending picks plus Shea in this scenario? But a year ago, you obviously wouldn't say that. Even as well as Shea was playing at that time. Yeah. Like Zion at that time made the, making the All-Star game in his second season, being one of the most efficient big men we've seen in recent memory. Like he, if Bill Simmons still did his like uh, his trade rankings, yeah, like he would be in a in the top five last year at this time. Sure. So it's very hard for me to objectively do that, and and frankly, I only do that if it's just purely a pick steal. Like, I, I don't. I'm not there yet. As much as I just said, like <laughs> the injuries aren't stopping me. Zion is a great player. You just don't, I don't answer the. I'm trying to. I want you to answer the question though. But I'm saying Sam is going to make the deal. I would rather give like five plus first rounders <laughs> than give up Giddy or Shea. But you have to give up game. one. But you have to give up one. I have to give up one. Yeah, and he's he's 
Sam says, you know what, we've we've gotten to okay, look at his okay. medicals. And Zion Williamson is yeah. going to be a superstar. He will be okay. a top five okay. player in this league. Okay. We don't have confidence that Josh or Shea will be a top five player in this league, and that's why we're doing the deal. And okay. but but we want to pair him with one of them and we can't decide which one. Here's here's what I would do. I would I would actually trade Giddy. Okay. And the reason would be when did we see Zion at his absolute peak? It was point Zion. It was when he had the ball at the top of the key, yeah. spread the floor, let him just crash to the rim. Mm-hmm. You pair him with Shea, who can do that exact thing. And then at that point, you're just surrounding them with shooters, and it seems like pretty easy, at least offensively. Now, defensively, yeah. Mark's got to work some magic there. Darius has got some work to do. <laughs> Darius is going to have a big load on his shoulders. <laughs> he needs to up that block percentage. Darius and Dort have some work to do. Yeah. But, yes, in that scenario, because obviously Zion can play off ball and, and he will probably be great playing off ball. Yeah. But I just, I loved the, the point Zion thing so much. I would want to emphasize that. And so putting him with Giddy, I just don't think the fit is as clean as it might be with Shea. Yeah. And we get to fully unlock Mike Muscala in this situation too. Yeah. (laughs) Just the, the fully unleashed Muscala. It's really fun though. Thinking about, uh, what a Zion trade would even look like. Yeah. Because... I mean, honestly, if you're New Orleans, you you can't get off the phone with Oklahoma City and agree to a trade that doesn't include Josh or Shea. Like, you just can't do it. Yeah, you can't. You know what you, I mean? You can't. And that's, and that's where I think that we have to look at teams that aren't looking for picks-based trades. Like, we have to be aware that it's possible that they do trade one of those two in the next, like, three or four years. Yeah. And I'm trying to think like around the league. I, I think, man, the Zion, whatever the Zion, if that ends up happening, it's going to be a, a, a it's going to be a very unique situation for a team because they're going to have to give up not just a young player, but like a young player they feel really good about who yeah. probably has all star potential if they're not already like a fringe all star. Without a doubt. And you're committing to Zion, who, yes, you at that point in this scenario that we're all making up you would have him on a long-term contract. But as we've seen, you know, he can just not play yeah. as Ben Simmons has not done. Yep. And he could force a trade as soon as he got to the next place and it wouldn't really matter. Yep. So yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this turns out because it could end up being just like a blip um, as far, like, again, if he went to a team like Oklahoma city, it would obviously be a huge blockbuster deal, but you just avoid all of the narrative around it. Whereas if he goes to any of these big markets, all of a sudden this becomes much a much different story. Yeah. Because all of these deals that have been happening lately, like the only real deal where it was a small market team losing their star recently was Anthony Davis, right? Yeah. Because like I don't consider Houston a small market. I mean, Houston's like a top five city in the country. I don't consider like Brooklyn or Philly small markets. No. Like a lot of the star movement recently has been been between big u.s markets yeah so this would be very unique obviously it's like doubling up on the anthony davis thing for new orleans fans which is terrible for them but yeah yeah i'm uh but i'm i would say i'm open to it but now that you've told me one of those have to go which obviously is true but you know you go into it thinking oh my team is so perfect we can just give all our picks away <laughs> i don't have to give up anyone i like i know <laughs> it doesn't make it tougher I'd also love to see some Zion Poku photo shoots 
where Zion. Oh yeah, Zion, thunder and lightning. Thunder and lightning. <laughs> Poku is six inches taller than Zion, but weighs one hundred <laughs> pounds less. Literally could... one hundred pounds less. You could do a. You could probably do a shot where he's standing behind Zion, and you can't see any of Poku's body, but just his you head. Just see his neck and his head. Yeah, that'd be cool. I would love those photo shoots. I'd be very excited about that. And I feel like yeah. there's like some kind of like Zion Dort thing that we could have going on too. It's so interesting how this all happened at this one time, and I don't think it was coordinated. I I really do think these were just like. I don't know. Maybe the JJ Reddick thing was coordinated, but like, I don't yeah. think CJ McCollum, like, it doesn't really help anyone for him to say what he said. Yeah. No. So I don't think that was really deliberate. Obviously, the, what the team said in that email to season ticket holders, that was deliberate. They could have obviously included him. For sure. And then the JJ Reddick thing was probably the most interesting because of what everyone's brought up. Like, he's a Duke guy as well. Yeah. He's a CAA, CAA guy, guy as well. Yeah. He probably, or he, actually has said on his podcast that he didn't like the way he was handled when yeah. he left that Griffin lied to him. Yeah. So like there's really no reason for him to help make New Orleans look good and there's a lot of reasons for him to help Zion look good and he did not do that. He didn't do which it. made that one so interesting. It also helps J- this also helps JJ in a way too. Where if JJ is like being more transparent and is like saying stuff yeah. like everybody heard yeah. it. And he's trying to get his ESPN career off the ground, and it's going quite well for him in ways like this, certainly. Because we brought we brought up like the Embiid, because Embiid obviously went through this at around the same time yeah. that Zion was going through it, although he yeah. hadn't even really played yet. Right. And then Kevin Durant went through it. You know, I remember that year with Kevin Durant, and it was miserable it was because awful. we weren't getting updates. We were not getting updates, and when we would get <laughs> updates, we would obviously only read the good parts of those updates and, and assume the best. And we're like, okay, so Kevin reevaluated in six weeks or whatever. Okay. So we okay. can, so he'll be back in January. Okay. That sounds great. Yep. And we started like mapping out the rest of the season in both of those scenarios though, with Embiid and Durant, like I can't remember one like story about a rift between those guys and the team in any way. The only time I remember that was with campaign who he also broke his foot. Right. Yeah, he did. And there was a lot of there were stories coming out saying like one side wants him to get wants to get the surgery, one side doesn't. Yeah, I, I believe it was the Thunder wanted him to get the surgery and campaign didn't want to at the time. Yeah. So like that's the closest that I can remember, but obviously it's campaign, not Zion. Right. But yeah, I, I mean that Kevin Durant year was bad. It was bad, and what makes it even bad worse in hindsight is it's similar to this New Orleans year where. You look back and it's like, man, the Thunder really should have tanked. <laughs> yeah, like what are we doing? And then Why we, did they and then do we don't. That? Then we missed the playoffs just because of that AD shot. One one shot they missed. Oh, to bring it all back around. I know, back to to, mm. to Nola. Yeah, it's uh, it is wild, and I think that New Orleans will also regret not tanking and getting a higher pick in this draft too. Yeah, I mean, I I understand that you can only sell your fans on ideas like that for so long and it feels like they've been in this constant churn of a rebuild yeah. like the only time they felt like they had a fully formed team was that Rajon Rondo year like it felt like okay maybe they're starting to put something together like when Boogie was there it kind of felt like oh maybe something is starting to work here yeah but that's the problem is that they ne- they have a they never stick to a plan 
It's like, well, in their defense, like that one, they couldn't have stuck to because Boogie gets hurt and it's kind of all over really fast. I, I understand. I understand that. But they always try to expedite things at the wrong time. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a cautionary tale for Thunder fans that want the, the Thunder to trade for guys now. You know, where it's like, let's go get a 28 year old now to help us, you know, get these guys going. Well, you look at so many scenarios where that just doesn't work. And in New Orleans is it didn't work with when they tried to do it with AD. It hasn't worked with this crew either. You know, I mean, they have right now Valanchunas and CJ McCollum are 29 and 30. And yeah. like you have Brandon Ingram, who's still 24 years old and developing. And you have a 27 year old Devontae Graham that you just traded for. And you have a 21 year old Zion. It's just a little bit like, what, what really is the plan? Like, what really are we doing? You know? And short term, I think it's just Griffin trying to save his job. Like, if he can make it to the play in and they win a couple games yeah. and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs, like, he's going to feel like his job is secure and he doesn't need to worry about it. Well, that's another reason why ownership is so important because yeah. the Thunder have a plan from top to bottom that goes throughout the entire team and everybody knows what it is and everybody is a part of it. Where with New Orleans, it seems like, very disjointed. And well, you well I was telling you, the roster. there was a, a, a down to dunk listener who was DMing me asking about, you know, let's just say LeBron asks out this summer and yeah. they actually trade him. And at that point, if you're LA, maybe you're looking to trade Anthony Davis as well. And he was saying, would Anthony Davis be a good piece for the Thunder to go after right now? And th- there were a lot of reasons why I d- did not think that was a good idea. Yeah. But one of them was that we still don't know what we have with this current Oklahoma City roster. Yeah. Like, it is still so early. Like, when we talk about the SGA and Giddy pairing, people get all upset because it's like, you know, why are you even bringing this up now? And it's true. Like, we have plenty of time. We have plenty of time, and yet we don't know if that will definitively work. Yeah. Like, we can, we can say that right now. You can look at the stats. We don't know definitively that that is going to work. And so making that all in move now when you don't actually know if the pieces you already have fit like this yep. is why the Suns, even though they kind of fell into it, <laughs> like they created this nucleus of young guys that by the time they got Chris Paul, everyone kind of knew what their role was going to be on that team. And then you're adding the finishing piece, and all of a sudden it works. Yep. And everything makes sense. That, even though I'm not positive the Suns really had the foresight to see that coming that far away, like <laughs> that makes more sense to me than saying, let's go all in right now. Now, it's different if it's like a Jalen Brown or someone who's like 24. Then it's like, yeah, if you could somehow get him without giving up Shea or Giddy, of course you would. But for someone like Anthony Davis or an older star like a CJ McCollum who wouldn't really fit on the Thunder, yeah. like I, I'd much rather want to know what we have in place first before I'm adding that finishing piece to yeah. this. Because what if you get Anthony Davis and you're just like the sixth seed? And then he's turning 30 next March. And now, like, what are you? Like, are you really a contender? And you're, you're capped out. You can't add anything else at that point because mm-hmm. you, you have his deal, Shea's deal, Dort's deal, whatever that's going to be. Like, there's just so little flexibility there. So I, I, I'm fine with them, like, taking another year, adding another piece, seeing what we've got first before going all in with some move. Yeah, and I think you can take comfort and what 
Sam did the first go around is that he did exactly that. Like he waited until he saw these guys together and then, you know, tried to make a trade for a center and should have made the first trade, just stuck with it, st- stick through the turf toe, Sam. But, yeah. you know, they still made a deal later yeah. on that ended up working. I mean, it, it worked. It wasn't ideal, but it worked. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the tank race. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. And we're back after that quick break. How the, the Thunder currently sit at fourth. In the tank race, they are three games behind Houston, who st- still somehow have all these guys. I, even though we did the uh, Wheel of Fandom for Houston and had a guest on, I still feel very confused about the Houston Rockets and, and what the heck is going on <laughs> in Houston. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I was so me and Aunt Andrew, full disclosure, had a tough time like choosing someone to go after to get a guest. For the Rockets, yeah, and my my, obviously we know my background with the Houston Rockets and the Houston Rockets fan base, yeah. But I just like watching this team, and then going through Rockets Twitter. It's been very hard to find voices who like are angry about the way they're developing these guys. Like you see it from the fans, like you'll see it from Rocket fan accounts, but yeah. like in terms of like the big reporter guys in Houston, it's like overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. And I don't know. Like I, I, I maybe they would perceive Thunder fans that exact same way. I feel like I'm more negative in general about like the Thunder, but like maybe they would see us the same way. Maybe that's just how it is when you're a young bad team. Like yeah. maybe all, maybe so. all of Detroit is like that as well. And you need that negativity from the actual fans out there who are replying to these big account tweets. But yeah, it was just I, I I wanted to find someone who would like really get into it. Like, why do we? Why are we playing Christian Wood? Yeah, I I do not like watching him play. I don't think he's helping them. He's like the ultimate tank commander. Yeah. If you look back through his career, like, what is the purpose of this right now? And I, I just felt like we were never able to really we find that. We didn't get there. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Yeah. Maybe it all works out. Maybe they get Chet. Palo and and next season it all works out. So that's that's why like I can't even be that down on it because they yeah. are doing the thing that we want Oklahoma City to do, which sure. is positioning themselves for a top pick. Yep, they're doing and it. If they if they keep if they land a superstar, none of this is really going to matter. And it's more pertinent that they do it that they do it now and quickly because of the their pick situation. Yes, if they end up with like the sixth pick in this draft, like if they're the one that falls in this draft, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm starting to feel more confident about those future picks because now I'm thinking 
dude, Houston's going to bring back Dennis Schroeder. Like, they're going to try to be, like, fine next year and aren't going to get a top pick next year. I don't know. I, I would be... I would be excited for those future picks if they fell in this draft because I definitely think they need one more piece and they need to get rid of some of these vets. Yeah. Christian Wood is not going to be on the next good Rockets team. No. He's not. No. I promise. Neither is Eric Gordon. Neither is Eric Gordon. Yeah. It's it's weird. It feels a little Timberwolvesy to me at this point. Where I mean, it didn't matter that the Timberwolves got the number one pick three times. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that's why having a culture and having a plan and having organizational alignment is so important because you can, even with lottery luck, find yourself in a bad situation because you don't know how to form a team. You know, that's that the picks and the talent, unless it's like a LeBron type talent, you know, it's and it doesn't they don't have that yet, and there's not a LeBron type talent in this draft. There probably there could be in the next draft, like just talent that doesn't matter, you know what you've done to your team. You're just going to win anyways. Uh, it, it, that's not the case with with Jalen Green. It's not the case with honestly with with Josh or with Shea. You know you have to have some kind of organizational plan to to get yourself there. Um, which I from the outside I just don't see it yet with Houston. And perhaps they develop it, but I just don't see it yet with them. Uh, okay, the who who are we afraid of in this tank race? I, I think fourth is the most likely spot that Thunder end up in. We have Indiana at fifth, and then <laughs> the Kings. The freaking Kings are still at they're sixth in the tank race. Sixth. Yeah, I'm I'm less worried about them. Although we always say this, like they're trying to win. It's true. They're still they trying are. to win. They just are really bad at it. But I do think having Sabonis there, of course I say that, the team he was on, Indiana, is <laughs> terrible this year too. Terrible. So who cares? Okay, so now I'm just going to say that we have a three-game lead on them. So I'm less worried about them this second. Yeah, sure. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not worried about anyone else. Yeah. New no, Orleans, no, no. San Antonio, New York Knicks, Portland. I don't care about any Portland's of them Portland's four and a half games now. <laughs> nope. From what I can see, Portland is... Oh, not Portland. I'm looking at New Orleans. I'm sorry. Six and a half Six games. and a half yep. games. Yeah, Isn't that wild? There. It's very wild. So, the, yeah, the only team I'm really worried about this moment is Indiana, who we play in the next week. Yep. Um, after we have... Uh, I think we play a good team, and then we play Indiana. And Indy but has it's on the weakest... second night of a back-to-back. It's second half of back-to-back, and they have the weakest strength of schedule moving for the rest of the season, I believe. Yes, they do. So you feel a little bit better about that. So, yeah, I basically I would be shocked if we jump up, if we got to third. Yeah, and I, I would too. be shocked if we fell below fifth. So it's feeling like four or five. Yeah. And I would put it at like 80-20 that it'll be four versus five. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I, there is a chance that Indy just stinks, <laughs> and and there's and there's a chance that Shea comes back and maybe like stuff starts clicking with Giddy, which would be awesome. That would be great. Like if that's why we're winning games at the end of the season because all of a sudden that net rating with Giddy and SGA suddenly starts shooting up. Like that's awesome. 
for the future of this team because again i'm not really concerned about us dropping that far yeah if that's why we're fifth then so be it yeah and it doesn't seem like they're going to be playing ken rich or muscala or any any of those guys a whole lot the rest of the are way. we going to get any robert woodard <laughs> i believe it's the third right yes. robert Woodard's the third yeah. I, I i don't know man he was a guy that was projected as a first rounder. He went in the second round to Sacramento and then disappeared. So I have no idea. Yeah, he was brought up by Sam Vecini as a pre-draft guy, which is a term that people are arguing about this week on Twitter. But just the <laughs> idea of taking a guy who maybe should have stayed in school an extra year, Yeah, you take him like a year early thinking you're getting a discount on him, and then you kind of have to turn it around quick, though, because he's – you know that he's behind developmentally. And so you're trying to turn this guy into something to make it all worth it. Yeah. Did not happen with Robert and uh, Robert. <laughs> I, I think it was this name, Robert. It is. It just sounds, he's just a, that's a funny one name for him. <laughs> Robert. But uh, Ben Kreider, I believe that's how you say his last name. Uh, he watches all of the blue games. Yeah. And I just happened to see that his description of what Robert, 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 Robert Woodard's first game, he said, going through the motion, he's a blank O of five in his blue debut. <laughs> so that doesn't sound great for an early start. <laughs> Meanwhile, DJ Wilson is just like destroying the G League every single game. Yeah. And you wonder if he would be the more likely guy to be brought up to get us some minutes here at the end of the season. Well, they just signed Olivier Saar. You know, oh, true. To his two way, the Thunder roster's full. You know, I do think that they'll probably open up spots here in the coming weeks. But still, it's like they've had chances to bring him up, you know, and just I, haven't. Yeah, it's but it's. I mean, maybe it's not weird because stat lines in the G League probably don't matter. But he is destroying the G League. He's doing great. He's doing great. When the when the Raptors actually signed him for. Their, his 10 day and took him away from the thunder who were on their way to winning the tournament and each of those guys i think they won like 100k or something like that they pulled him from the thunder and the thunder lost basically because he wasn't there <laughs> which was just kind of crazy you know i guess i mean obviously it benefited him to do it because he got more than 100k on his 10 day but still it's just yeah wild yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they, uh, who's going to be like the not even the Moses Brown, more like the Charlie Brown of this yeah. campaign, the rest of the season. Yeah, who would you predict it is? I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people in the in in the uh, chat, very excited for for Sar Are for they? Olivier. Yeah, what's what's he done that people are excited about? Oh no, like in a in a, as like he's in not a, good in like, a tank way. Or, yeah, in a tank way. <laughs> In a he's not good way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we saw with uh, Daikite that, like, I mean, it's probably just because he's not a good NBA player, <laughs> but it's it's not like you can just plug in any center and all of a sudden this team is good. Mm. Like, it kind of felt that way last year briefly, where it's like, wow, Moses Brown looks good and, like, the team's starting to play well, then Shea gets hurt, and then yeah. he's playing the rest of the season and they're terrible. Right. And we've talked about, like, if this team just had a center, like, they would be amazing. I, obviously, that's not the case because Daikite played for us and, and we were still awful. And that'll probably be the same with Sar, but who knows? And maybe that's why they didn't go in on Yavertz and Andrew. I mean, maybe. 
Because he's, he's actually getting like legit minutes for a playoff team. He's putting up crazy stats too, and he gets to play a lot. I'm I'm kind of glad because we don't have to talk about what he could be. <laughs> you know, Omer. Yeah, he uh, yeah, he's getting 14 minutes a game, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for a team like the Heat, for like the best team in the East, yeah, yeah, and all their guys are healthy right now. His last two games, 15 minutes, 14 minutes. It's great Good for him. It's great. Maybe we should just play Lindy Waters at center. Just see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Let's maybe Lindy Waters will be the guy. <laughs> Let him take ten threes per game. I'd like to see him play a lot. I, I think obviously he's somebody that's going to get cooked on defense. But who cares? He is. Who cares? But you know what I like about him? Not that like anyone in the league is going to respect <laughs> Lindy Waters is from that, a three point percentage is, is yet. Cool, because that he looks cool. No, because he does. But the my idea for the rest of this year is not just to throw out any old guy and just roll it out and see how it goes. Yeah. I would like them to find like archetype guys who aren't good, the good versions of this archetype, sure, but are at least playing that role on offense. Because yeah. I've seen enough defensively where if they play a bunch of guys who aren't good in defense and their defense falls off the map, I'm not really worried long-term. Yeah, who cares? They've already proven it to me. Mark's now done it two seasons in a row. Yeah. With like questionable rosters putting up a top 10 ish defense until SGA gets hurt. So Lindy Waters playing the role of a shooter on the court with SGA and Giddy. It's great. Yes, I would like to see that. Uh, you can find anyone else who can shoot. Like, let's, let's do a little bit of that. I don't think the team's going to be amazing. And I think the defense will fall off, but maybe we can get a little better idea of what SGA Giddy as a pairing could look together or with surrounding talent that makes sense. Yeah. Even if that, I do not disagree with that at all. Uh, Al, before we go, bah! the <laughs> they don't have twenty four games left. They're over under twenty three and a half. Um, wow! So they could they could go over their under if they just win all their games. They could go. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> if they gave all their wins away right now, they could still go over. Is what you're saying? If they won all twenty four games. What do you wait? What? <laughs> just keep going yeah oh i see what you're saying cool um cool <laughs> where, where are you at they're 18 and 40 right now they play eight teams that are mm. in the that'll be lottery teams in, of those 24 uh I, I would i would go over uh i just think if shea is going to be healthy and back he's good enough to get an extra two-ish wins yeah. two to three wins, and then you add that on top of this team that even without Shea was able to get, I think, like three or four wins mixed in there. Yeah. And so through 24 games, if they went like seven and doing the math 17, that would be a bad record, and they would they would go over. Yeah. So that doesn't seem – that actually seems like low end. Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm too high on this team that's not good, but – you might be. But still, seven wins through 24 games with a healthy Shea, with healthy Giddy, with healthy Dort. Yeah. I just, I, I think you're going to win some games. Yeah. In the last stretch, they won six out of. That was last year? No. In, 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 the, oh, oh, in oh. the previous stretch this season, in their last 24 games. Oh, okay. They won six out of 24. Yeah. But a lot of that was without Shea? A lot of it was without Shea. Now they are also seem to be pulling more levers than ever before. It's time. 
It's like last year. It's lever time, baby. Uh, it is. Yeah, they have five back-to-backs in that stretch, too. Which is hmm. good. This 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 indie back to back is crucial. <laughs> let's let's talk about the real story, Andrew. We haven't even brought it up yet. Chris what? Paul out for six weeks. Yeah, with his thumb. Yeah. Does this mean the Thunder might get the twenty ninth pick <laughs> instead of the thirtieth? It actually is there could. a chance. It actually could. <laughs> like they they have such a gap. They have such a already. Yeah. It's very impressive. They've been very good. Just good. for them to fall back to the second, they would have to. Actually, I don't. basically actually, seven games. Actually, they're not. We're going to get the thirtieth pick, because yeah, who do you think? Who do you trust to get there? That is close. Like, I don't think Golden State's going to do it. I it would think... have to be like Draymond comes back is already one hundred percent right yeah. out of the gate All Star break and they go on a run. Yeah, that would have to be it. I don't think Memphis will do it. And then, and then the other teams are too far behind. And they're then like, it's Chicago, Miami next. And they're ten and a half behind the Suns. Ain't so, happening. Yeah. We're getting the thirtieth pick there. Yup. That's fine. That's fine. Um, Andrew, can I make a, a quick complaint? A quick Twitter complaint? Sure. Uh, this has been one of the worst weeks on Twitter in recent memory on NBA <laughs> Twitter. Uh, without without games, it is just like some of the worst. Oh, that's just like the arguing discourse. About stuff. Yeah, about the dumbest stuff. And I just would like to plead, plead with big accounts. If you have a big account, there's no reason why you need to quote retweet an account with 700 followers who has a dumb take. Yeah, just to just to do like a questioning emoji or something. It's like dunking. Like, why? Well, I don't need to see the bad take. Who's doing why, it? Who? Who'd you who did you see that did it? I've I've I have not there, seen it. There was th- this is not the only example of this. Yeah. But there was a tweet from a guy who has like 700 followers. He's allowed to say whatever he wants, who cares. He was saying that you could make an argument that Tony Parker is the best international player of all time, which admittedly not a great take, okay? Not a great take. Bad take. But He's just a he's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's just throwing it out he's there to French, the ether. He's just a French, a local French guy, right? If you if if you're one of his friends and you want to dunk on him, go ahead. But if you're a big account, like one, you don't need to punch down. But two, I don't need to see it in my who feed. Don't, I don't need to see this bad take, who, huh? Who was it that quote tweeted? It? I, don't, I don't need to. I don't need to call people out because I, here's what I'll say, Andrew. <laughs> I I went to the tweet. This guy again. He has like 700 followers. There's yeah. uh, he's already up to 400 quote retweets. There were wow. multiple blue check marks who had quote retweeted this guy to dunk on him. Wow. And I think that once the quote retweet number gets to half of the amount of followers a person has, we just delete the tweet and forget about it. Because <laughs> the the only people we should be dunking on are like blue check marks with millions of followers who have a dumb take. In that case, like yeah, if, if, have at it. Have at it. But when it's just like a guy, it, it's just a guy. Maybe he really likes Tony Parker. Who he, cares? Maybe he met Tony Parker at a subway one time or something. Like, who cares? Why are we dunking on these people? It's just like so incentivized. I'm, this is something I'm really trying to do myself, which is to not quote retweet bad takes just to dunk on them. Yeah. Because everyone, it's like the only thing people do on Twitter. <laughs> it's like the only thing. And everyone thinks they're being super clever when they do it. And everyone's doing like the same joke about whatever the dumb thing the dumb person just said. Yeah. And meanwhile, there are the same people complaining about how there's not enough smart takes in NBA media. They're the ones sharing all the dumb takes with me. 
That's true. I'm not I'm not watching first take. And meanwhile, these people are sharing first take with me every single day, telling me how dumb this thing is they just said. Like, I wouldn't have ever seen that dumb take if you hadn't shared it. That's so true. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Why don't you just say smart things and ignore the dumb people that you don't think are smart? Yeah, stop sharing perk stuff with me if you don't like them. Yeah, stop sharing perks. I don't need to read perks comments. I'm I, I'm not following him for a reason. Yeah, carry on, everybody. Away from carry the, on from the perk stuff. Yeah, I need to see more people dunking on Seth Part now about his Daniel Gafford takes. All right. See, that's that's more fun because you know I think of Seth as a smart guy, oh, he's, and and he's, he's more likely yeah. to he's more likely to engage with whatever the criticism is going to be. Yeah. I've, I've just clicked on some of his tweets before, and he's going back and forth with people. That's the stuff I find interesting. Same with the – this is another – man, I'm just going off right now, Andrew. <laughs> there's There's been some calls this week from people who are using the Zion situation to yeah. say abolish the draft. Oh, and, give me a fr- – I, I hate no, no. this so much. Yeah, go ahead. And 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 it Twitter is so toxic. Anthony Irwin, who is the L.A. Lakers guy, yeah. I think – yeah. He yeah, yeah. tweeted out like, "Hey, for people who are small markets, you know, thinking about the abolish the draft idea, who is the best free agent that your team has ever acquired?" Yeah, and so people are saying, you know, like for the Thunder, we might say Anthony Morrow or or, or Nerlens Noel or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and 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 his point was just like, you know, like these are the type, the caliber of players these small markets have gotten over time. Yeah, uh, like whether you agree with it or not, like it's a fine like thing to throw out there. You go to the quote retweets. And there's people who are like, players are not uh, commodities to be traded. Like, and they they go to this whole like, like basically every take is so extreme that we can't even have, because I'm willing to have the conversation about abolish the draft. Sure. But the way it takes place on Twitter is the people who are pro abolish the draft just, and this happens in politics as well. You just tweet whatever you believe. Yeah. You don't respond to any of the valid criticisms against, and everyone who agrees with you likes your tweet, retweets it, and then the other side does the exact same thing. I would love, like Nikias Duncan tweeted out that he's in favor of abolishing the draft. I would love a conversation with Nikias Duncan and someone on the other side actually yeah. working it through. Yeah. Because the the experience of these arguments on Twitter is so worthless. It's so worthless, and I, I can't stand it. I probably should just get off Twitter, but I feel like I have to stay on. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I just try not to. If it's something that I just don't agree with completely, I just try to stay away from it, honestly. That's what I'm trying to do now. Now, hot take, Andrew. If yeah. they did abolish the draft, I actually don't think it would be terrible for OKC. What do you think about that? I think what do you that's. Think about I that? think you're absolutely wrong. I, I, I'm not saying. Wrong. I'm not saying it generally. Like it, it would be bad, but I think you'd be surprised because I do think uh, in that scenario, not every good young player can go to the exact same teams. There'd still be a salary cap. In that Are you scenario. trying to say we'd have Evan Mobley right now because of that one commercial where they had the OKC hat? That's a great one. I hadn't even thought about that. But yes, didn't Shea pay for his Chipotle? I don't know. <laughs> not sure on that one I, I just think that the idea of abolishing the draft would have the same unintended consequences that everything else the NBA does to try to fix this issue would have and I think what would happen is you would have a bunch of these super teams initially yeah, and then they'd all hate each other and ask for trades elsewhere over time yeah I think it's a horrible it's a horrible idea it, if you want to really kill the small markets this is how you do it Okay, what if what about instead of abolishing the draft, you guarantee you you give 
uh, draft picks based on uh, population size of cities. Every year. <laughs> <laughs> so I think New Orleans would get the first pick every year. What every do you think about that? Year. I bet you like that idea, don't you? I think all these ideas are just leading to the Kings just not being a team anymore. <laughs> I, st- I still like the... Um, I still like the wheel idea and variations of oh the wheel my gosh. idea. It's just so is yeah. What what's what is like absolutely horrifically wrong with what we're doing now? Um, question that that they change the odds. <laughs> I would go back to the old odds. <laughs> I would do it. Yes. Besides that, what's what is like what is so bad? Because the thing about it, like the NBA won't change it because people tune in for the draft. People get excited about it. Oh yeah. You know? Whereas no, the the if it were just the, like a free agency thing, like I don't, it's harder to monetize that. No, I mean the the argument against it is like the the labor argument that these guys are. I know that. I know. Yeah, I know that, what that, it is. That I, whole I argument. get it, but it's just like sorry, like this whole like newsflash. This whole thing is not about humanity. It's about money. It is about and money. the draft makes the NBA and ESPN and everybody else a ton of money. There are jobs that exist only because of the draft. Sam Vecini has a job where all he does is write and cover the draft and talk about the draft. That's his whole job because it brings in money to the athletic. Okay? If it were just a free agency, it's like, well, let's just make this about the people. You know, I'm sorry. It's not about that. And it never has been and it never will be. Well, what's funny is like the whole abolish the draft thing is based on this idea of like player first, like players should be able to choose where they want to go. And the same people tend to be the ones who don't like all the focus on non-basketball things. Like they don't like how everything is about trades and free agency, which if you abolish the draft, that's all it would be. It would be only that. Imagine like the lead up to like signing day or whatever. Like it would be, that's all the NBA would be at that point. A zoo. That's all you would care about. I mean, Imagine like a, a site like rivals.com, but for just NBA, like these guys are coming out of high school or, you know, if it's still like you have to play a year or whatever in college, like that would be all we talk about. It could be like, it well, would be Kat and Devin Booker want to go sign up with the Lakers, you know, for yeah. minimum deals because they want to win a championship. Like, well, son of a, you know, like, like then it's, then we just have like the Alabamas of the world, you yeah. know, yeah. where it's just like Which, every, everybody signs there. Which like you could kind of argue like that's actually more in line with the history of the NBA because like the this league sure. was built on dynasties where the Celtics had like five all or five Hall of Famers or whatever it was on their team at one time, but yeah I I don't my point is this is a conversation for a podcast between two smart people and I would love to hear it yeah on opposite sides I would too all all you hear is the one side. And it, it, they, they're able to make arguments that make sense within that bubble. Yeah. And I just want to see them communicate with each other. That's all, Andrew. <sighs> I love the draft. Now, what boss in Elden Ring are you most excited to experience, Andrew? <laughs> uh, Sean Shrani just tweeted, New York has a plan to phase out the vaccine mandate in the coming weeks. Good. That's great. So Kyrie's going to get to play. We can stop talking about it. And we'll just get to see what the nets look like. That's right. We can stop doing this, doing the joke that everyone does. Like, well, should the nets try to target the ten seed? Well, there aren't. They're we, doing we it on stop. accident. Anyways, <laughs> doing that. <Sorry>. <laughs> we can stop doing that. 
Dude, I, if, if that happens, that'll be like the final piece to the perfect playoffs. It will be. Especially in the That's East. Great. West, I'm less interested in. I'll still watch them. But the East is going to be The East is going to be so incredible. fun. Incredible. So fun. Can't wait. Oh, my gosh. Whew. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the pod. Uh, we will have a Friday pod coming at you. Thunderplay again tomorrow night. I assume they won't cancel because of weather. It's, that's happened like maybe once in my lifetime, I feel like, where they've canceled due to weather. But it is. Why? Wow, what's going on there? What's going on in well, OKC? Um, Let the people overseas know. Tons of sleet and Ooh. snow, and huh. it's just going to be freezing cold for the next like 48 hours. So Nice. I don't know if the suns are here, if they got here yet, if they're going to get here tomorrow. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But all right. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.